Good afternoon, patriots. You are tuned into Living with Liberty, your source for common sense and truth. I am your host, Ryan. Today we'll talk about the latest bluff from the Biden regime. We'll talk about the left attempting to set the narrative of stolen elections in 2024. And we'll finish up with a piece on the Pfizer application to jab your 5 to 11-year-olds with their COVID vaccine. Next, on Living with Liberty. If there was any doubt that one of the overarching goals is bureaucratic control of the global economy, the Biden sideshow just gave us another log to toss on that fire. The Obama 3.0 administration wants the data from chip manufacturers to ensure there isn't chip hoarding going on. And I say chip hoarding in quotes. Supposed Commerce Secretary Gina Raimondo has even hinted at invoking the Defense Production Act to get at this data. The stupidity is thick with these people. Let's start with the Defense Production Act. The regime has started out, before even getting to hinting at that, they started out by giving chip manufacturers a simple survey. I say simple, but it really isn't. The survey is full of questions that digs into every area of operation uh, of these uh, chip manufacturers' business. But they started out giving them this survey. But because it's uh, just a survey, and it's a survey given by the U.S. government to foreign companies, the Biden administration decided they want to attempt to back up this uh, request for information, and that's probably putting it too politely, but this request for information with the threat of using the weight of the Defense Production Act to extract the information from uncooperative companies. And here's where the stupid part comes in. Here's one little problem with uh, going that route. And really, it's uh, really lends this to being an empty threat from this administration. The Defense Production Act, or DPA, only applies to domestic companies. It cannot be invoked on international companies. And this is my understanding from reading uh, the act myself or or, uh, kind of the explanation of the act or some of the text from the act. Uh, I'll link it in the description box. You can draw your own conclusions. But my interpretation is that the DPA only is applicable to domestic companies. We can't threaten, we can't use it to extract information from international uh, organizations. Now, here's what it says in the actual act itself, just to frame this up for you. It says this, the security of the United States is dependent on the ability of the domestic industrial base to supply materials and services for the national defense and to prepare for and respond to military conflicts, natural or man-made disaster or man-caused disasters or acts of terrorism within the United States. 
Now, what are the key words here? Domestic industrial base. For the Biden administration, domestic means within our borders, even though you decided we don't need a southern border anymore. Domestic means within the United States. Now, where are the majority of chips made overseas? 75% of all computer chips are made outside of the U.S. With 50% of the entire market, 50% of all chips in the marketplace are manufactured by Taiwan Semiconductor Manufacturing Company. Last I checked, Taiwan is not a part of the United States. Neither is uh, our any of the other countries that make up the 25% of computer chips uh, that uh, Taiwan Semiconductor isn't making. 75% of these chips are made outside of the United States by foreign companies. These companies have no legal obligation to supply any data to the United States government, whether the DPA is invoked or not. These companies have the right to protect their own data, their own consumption data, their own manufacturing data. The U.S. government can't invoke a domestic uh, act to try and extract this information. Now, I, I tell you what, I would love to play poker with the Biden cabinet. They are the worst bluffers in the world. How are you going to invoke and threaten to invoke to get information from something uh, from companies that provide uh, uh, com in this case computer chips where you have 75 percent of that um, supply coming from offshore uh, manufacturers these are these people that dense that they, it says right there, domestic industrial base. It doesn't say the international uh, industrial base. It says domestic. These foreign companies have no obligation to even fill out that survey that the uh, corrupt Obama 3.0 administration gave them. And from the articles I've I've uh, read here, it's, it sounds likely that they were, will refuse to even fill these surveys out. They don't want to be giving out their information. It, it digs into things like, who are your customers? Uh, how much are you making? What's your capacity? That's all That gets out, and, and there goes these companies' competitive advantages. This is unbelievable. This is, again, it gets back to my open, where... It, it's getting back to they want bureaucratic control of the global um, markets here. They want bureaucratic control of all these companies, no matter where they are. This is the trying to erase the borders like the Biden administration has done with our southern border. Now we're just doing it all around the world. We're, we're doing it uh, over, you know, vast expanses of oceans now. These these companies have no legal obligation to provide this information, surveyed or threatened with the DPA. And 
kind of still on that chip topic, let's let's go back to this idea of chip hoarding for a moment. Here's what Raimondo had to say about this. She says, there's allegations of certain consuming companies buying two or three times what they need and stockpiling. So suppliers say we can't get a handle on accurate uh, demand signals because consumers are stockpiling. So we don't know what the accurate demand is. Now, again, I've I've written an article. I did a show on this a couple of weeks ago, kind of my insider view. I'm going to give you another insider view here. This is just cover for the Obama 3.0 administration to go snooping around where they don't belong. Notice how no company is named here. It's allegations of certain consuming companies. Well, which ones are they? No, no company is called out here because Raimondo is lying about this. If there was hoarding going on, the companies doing it would be called out. You don't think that GM or Ford who have shuttered their production lines because they can't get chips to make automobiles wouldn't figure this out and start calling out the companies that are hoarding in the marketplace? There, there's... There's no stockpiling or hoarding going on. Raimondo's just lying, trying to get at this information. And to boot, if there was hoarding going on, the legacy media shills would be all over it. Now, here's my insider take on this. And this is personal experience. I am also having a hard time getting an accurate demand signal from the marketplace. The reason being... Inventory is moving through the supply chain and our systems at a high velocity. In other words, the products are being consumed as, as soon as they hit the shelf. As soon as we put something on an empty store shelf, it is immediately leaving. And it ends up being an endless loop, an endless cycle, because there's not enough product coming behind it to fill that gap quick enough. So... In essence, the environment we're in now, there is a constant demand signal that seems to be continually growing. That's what's called the bullwhip effect. I invite you to go and I won't bore you with the details of the bullwhip effect, but I invite you to go and look that up. That's exactly what's happening here and it's causing companies to not be able to get a hand a handle on their demand signals. And to boot, there isn't always good and proper communication between customer and supplier as to what they actually need. So that also doesn't go into the demand. And it keeps, like I said, perpetuating this endless cycle uh, of demand that looks like it's ever growing and is shooting up at two, three, four hundred percent and and will do that over the long term. That is the reason why companies are having a hard time getting a handle on what actual demand is. It's not because anyone is stockpiling. It's because of the extreme velocity that products are being consumed in the marketplace. I'll say this, if there is a company out there stockpiling anything, send them my way. I want to know their secret. I want to know how they're doing it. I'd love to stockpile stuff. <laughs> I, I get uh, hammered enough because we don't have stuff. I'd Let me stockpile something. So if anybody's out there stockpiling, let me know how you're doing it. This is this is a couple of things here. This is the globalist commies 
trying to get their hands into every cookie jar in the economy on the planet, or it's a regime so desperate for a win that they are trying to fix the supply chain, and in this case, the semiconductor supply chain. And the trouble for the regime is the vast majority of chip uh, production is done offshore. So the regime is going to have a hard time getting their hands on any data from these companies. I don't have any confidence that even if they got the data from these companies, they would be able to do anything. They've proven so incompetent over and over and over. Really, do you think, do you think that uh, the, the this administration that couldn't even get our people out of Afghanistan in a a orderly fashion is do you really think they're going to fix the semiconductor supply chain? Uh, it, it's the Afghanistan that that's a basically a supply chain of people, and they failed miserably at that. So it it doesn't matter. They've already proven incompetent at being able to do anything. So. You know, given these two choices, I kind of think it's a combination of the two. I think it's the the puppeteer uh, pulling Biden strings and this whole administration strings on trying to further expand this idea of no borders and a global one world economy, a global one world country, if you will. I also think it's a uh, an administration that's desperate for a win. Um, you know, they had another month of just dismal job numbers, job creation numbers. People aren't going back to work. They've been killing jobs left and right by pulling back on things like the fossil fuels and then basically not finishing the border wall, which is construction jobs. And I, I don't know if all the materials are done or not. I know there's materials at the border waiting to be assembled and installed. I don't know if they're all there, but it, you know, even if they aren't all there, that's manufacturing jobs that are lost because we're not finishing the wall. And when it comes to policy, it's just been debacle after debacle with this administration. And we come to them trying to get their hands on supply chain issues this is just another thing that would blow up in their face. You know, they're, the, the automobile plants are the most American of industries, right? That's one of the things we hang our hat on is is our automobile industry. And those plants, those companies have, have shuttered their plants due to a lack of chips for production. So I think the Biden clown show, clown show here, uh, they might be thinking that if they can get the plants back up and running by securing the mic, uh, the chip supply chain here, they can point to that win as heading uh, when as we're heading into midterms here in 2022. The the thing is is they don't have the understanding. They've proven incapable. These companies they they don't understand everything's offshore. They have no legal authority to get any information from these companies. This is just another thing that's going to blow up in their face period, end of story. Now, moving on, the left is already setting their narrative for Kamala Harris to have to stop the steal in 2024. I tell you what, Trump has absolutely broken the writers at these leftist rag media outlets. I have a piece here from the Atlantic 
It's titled Kamala Harris Might Have to Stop the Steal by Russell Berman. I'll link it in the description box. Give it the click if you want. It might be worth it. It's always good to keep tabs on what the other side is saying, uh, just to be more informed for, for when those inevitable lies come up. But at any rate, listen to some of this narrative from just the, this just awful piece. Here's what Berman writes. For a few hours inside the ransacked Capitol on January 6th, they, they may, okay, he makes it sound like this thing was someone's house that a bunch of robbers came into and flipped over the furniture and tore into the walls and busted stuff and, you know, looking for money or, or jewelry or whatever. I Ransack capital, hardly. Goes on. Uh, my aside there. All right, continue on. Says this, then Vice President Mike Pence helped to preserve the democratic order by insisting that he was powerless to change the outcome of the election. On January 6, 2025, that responsibility could fall to Vice President Kamala Harris. But the task of preventing a stolen presidential election won't be that simple. <laughs> well, okay then. So right off the bat here, this article is signaling Harris would have a different approach than Pence if it came down to something similar here as we saw in 2020. And what is being signaled here is she will not help preserve the democratic order by insisting she was powerless to change the outcome. Also, Berman is assuming that the Senate stays split or even ends up in Democrat control by January 2025. And that, that's important because if the Democrats, if it was split or they had control, they could um, do what some of the, well, before uh, kind of the, the January 6th thing happened, what Republicans were going through and challenging election results state by state because they had the votes to do so. Berman's making that assumption here that the Democrats would be able to do that come 2025, where they could have the votes to challenge those electoral outcomes. Now, I'd say given the current state of affairs, and because this is a leftist writer who doesn't actually read anything truthful or write anything truthful, I'd call this very unlikely that Democrats would have control of the Senate. Democrats are set up for a rout in both chambers with the absolute disaster that they and their policies have been under the Biden administration and truthfully um, gaining control of all three branches of government. It, I, you know, it's, it's <laughs> some of these things you just got to laugh at some of these pieces. <laughs> truthfully, too, I think that's kind of why I put it in here. It kind of made me chuckle a little bit, too, if I'm being honest. Anyway, this piece gets better, and by that I mean worse, probably laughably worse, let's call it. It goes on like this. The nightmare scenarios that most frighten election observers heading toward 2024 all culminate in a quadrennial joint session of Congress, the same formal meeting that rioters interrupted in their failed bid to keep Donald Trump in the White House earlier this year. What scares them, however, is not necessarily a reprise of that violent day. 
you know, it's just thick with the gaslighting here. Uh, anyway, uh, moving on. They fear a bloodless coup that begins in state capitals, wins the blessing of conservatives atop the courts, and then secures the decisive votes of Trump-supporting Republicans in Congress. The risk of an even worse crisis is greater in 2024, these election experts say, because Trump supporters are likely to be far better positioned than they were in 2020. Stop there before I get to this <laughs> this hack uh, that gave this quote here for this article. The honest truth is we were positioned in 2020. Okay, what happened in 2020 was our Republican leadership failed to stop any of the BS election chicanery that went on and skirted rules. That is what happened here. But maybe there is a bit of truth to that because we've had states passing uh, election reform legislation to, uh, to combat that. We have people who are angry at what the Democrats are doing. So yeah, maybe that maybe there is actually a a, a a modicum of truth there that Trump supporters, just call it conservatives, are likely to be better positioned in 2024 than they were in 2020. We'll be better positioned in 2022. Uh, anyway, so let's finish up this this um, quote from this piece here. So uh, listen to listen to this listen to this guy. Um, and listen to the, um, the the paradox here within this uh, next part I'm going to read. Okay, this guy is called Norm Eisen. He says this, Our democracy is in great peril today. Norm Eisen, a prominent Democratic lawyer who co-founded the nonpartisan States United Democracy Center, told me, in reference to the author Berman, we're in a Weimar moment in America. Now, overly dramatic much? And did you see the paradox there? How the hell can you say, okay, he's a prominent Democratic lawyer who co-founded the nonpartisan States United Democracy Center. That, not, just put it, it's a, I guess I have to say nonpartisan because of the money they're taking in, but it, it 100% guarantee that's not a nonpartisan entity. Give me a, read this thing if you can, and try not to get too mad. I, it leaves me speechless sometimes trying to read this, and then we're talking about it here. But I mean, really, how, how much more overly dramatic can you get? And also, do you see what they're doing here? Did you did you catch what Norm Eisen is insinuating here? The Dems are up for or are in for a bloodbath up and down the ticket in 2022. So the hacks at the Atlantic are trying to get uh, get going and uh, back into the well of Nazism to get ahead of the 2024 and probably even 2022, but certainly ahead of things in 2024 that's what he's doing here. These people are so unimaginative on the left. We just, let's dip into the Nazi well again. 
what Eisen is doing here is he's likening Biden's America to the Weimar Republic just prior to Hitler taking over. How very original. Like I said, no imagination from these people. It's it's either Hitler or, you know, it's Hitler or Hitler, basically, with these people when it comes to trying to describe what's going on. Eh, throw in a civil war there every now and then, too, I guess. But well, th- these people are, it's no wonder, you know, another side note, I guess, or side notes in today's show, but you read this stuff and then you, you start to see the thinking here and then you start to understand why things like late night TV aren't funny anymore. It's because there's no imagination with these people. It's the same well of, of garbage water. Every time he's Hitler, he's a Nazi. Uh, No points for originality here for Norm Eisen. You know what? It would be nice just once. It, It might be nice if the left would change it up a little bit. And maybe reference Russia prior to Lenin and with Lenin, or China prior to Mao and then with Mao. We know they won't do that. It's Even though both were equally as brutal as Hitler, both of those are left icons. They're the ones they're uh, lo- you know, looking up to as they're trying to implement their socialist regimes around the world. But here within Norm Eisen's statement, because the only approved narrative by their commie overlords are comparisons to Nazi Germany, that's the reference we get here yet again. Now, talking about the bloodless coup that starts in state capitals, I think Eisen must be referring to the actual free and fair elections that we'll see coming in 2022 and 2024, right? That, that's that got to be the bloodless coup here because... We know that uh, anything free and fair to the left is a coup, and anything that they do is just democracy. Uh, These people are idiots, just clowns. You know what's going to happen here, especially in 2022, because it's still so fresh, and I, I, I will guarantee even 2024, the citizens are going to be watching much, much closer in 2022. That much I am sure of. They will make sure they are poll watchers. They will make sure that the uh, voting statutes in their state are being followed. They will be in the ears of their legislators who should have control and final say over uh, what any election commission your state might have. And they will make sure that their legislators and even their courts are upholding the law. And with all this, as much as the Democrats are trying to nurse this scamdemic through until midterms, it's just not going to get there. People are done with it. They see through it. So because this scamdemic won't be able to be nursed through 2022, they aren't going to have a good enough reason to try and enact the election shenanigans that they did in 2020. All right, that's that's enough from this piece. <laughs> it just... I, yeah, I can't do it anymore. I, I read the whole thing. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll get angry. I'll put the link in the description box if you want to give it the click. Like I said, it's important to check out what the other side is uh, saying. It's important to see what they're doing, how they're thinking. It helps you combat um, just the silliness of it all and helps you focus where you need to um, uh, kind of build that wall of facts or have that knowledge base built in terms of, of uh, the, the actual truth. It, this piece here, it, it shows a couple things. 
now that there's no Trump in office for the left to kick around, these regs are just going to do everything they can to try and drum up Trump stories, to try and recapture some of the eyeballs they lost on their content because it's so horrible. The only reason they had the eyeballs in the first place was they were kicking Trump around. Now that they don't have that, or it's just, like I said, no imagination, it's the same crap over and over. People are turning away from it. They're sick of it. And the second thing this article shows is it shows Trump is still living rent-free in the heads of the left. Okay, the last story for today. It's a great piece from Technofog's Substack about why Pfizer is pushing their gene therapy on children, children 5 to 11. I'll link it in the description box. Now I just, I'm going to go over a couple key points from this piece. The first one is this, and listen closely. Uh, Technofog writes, Pfizer tested the vaccine on a small sample of 2,268 participants, five to less than 12 years of age, 11. Pfizer concluded that the results demonstrated strong immune response in this cohort of children one month after the second dose. Technofog wants, uh, writes to pay attention to that last part, the one month after the second dose piece. Now, here we are again with this purported vaccine. Hardly any testing done up front. To, they tested this on just over 2,000 kids. There's no indications, it says, of long-term, uh, or no indications were given in this study of any long-term effects on the trial participants because they looked at it a month. They have a month of data. There's no indication of how long the supposed protection lasts in kids. Though at last count, it's somewhere around five months because that's what we see in those that are currently jabbed. So it's only reasonable to think that it's likely that same duration for this age group as well. Again, a month of data. A month. Naturally, Pfizer has applied to the FDA to get this thing approved for the children uh, in the 5 to 11 age group using half-assed data. And sadly, it's likely to be approved because the FDA is filled with political shills and not actual scientists, especially at the highest levels. The lowest levels, there's, I'm sure, still plenty of good scientist people or scientists there that actually do data and do look at the science and draw the, the you know these conclusions to like uh we might want more data on this so i'm i'm sure the scientists that are hired there find people it, it's the ones that have made it to the top that are nothing but political shills pushing an agenda being big pharma's marketing arm and basically strong arm because it's a government agency now the second point in this uh, i want to make from this article is in relation to the side effects so it's noted in Technofog's piece that the side effects for the 5 to 11 age group are the same as the 16 to 25-year-old age group, myocarditis being chief among them. Now, once a heart muscle is damaged, it is never repaired. It never heals up. It just ends up as scar tissue. Is that what we really want to be doing to our children? permanently damaging their hearts. Now, Sweden and Denmark have paused the Moderna shots in the younger people for that very reason. They recognize these risks. 
They saw it happening and took action. Are we awake yet as a country here on what's going on? Our government and politicians are putting their donors and perceived political capital of ending the pandemic, which is pretty much already over as it is. They're putting those things over the safety of us and our children. They're not looking at the actual data. They're not heeding what the data is telling them. This isn't about health anymore. We are two years, almost two years into this. We have plenty of data, plenty of experience. We know who this uh, virus affects the most, who it affects the least. We know now what this vaccine does to people. We know the risks. And again, not anti-vaccine. You're cool with the risks and you get the vaccine. Hey, that's that's all great. That is your choice. And I fully 100% respect that. But when it comes to what is being pushed by the media, by government, they are not paying attention to that stuff. This isn't about health anymore. We are pushing this thing on the group that is at the very least risk for COVID. This, all, what this boils down to is about keeping the profits rolling in for Pfizer. This is about generating statistics to use as political points down the road. This is about trying to fulfill Biden's promise that he was going to defeat the virus. We now know this vaccine is nowhere near effective in defeating the virus. This thing is going to be around. People that are that have, have the vaccine are getting sick. How is that defeating the virus? But they keep pushing this because they're too far down the road at this point or they're too prideful. They don't want to admit they're wrong. And it hurts and it's going to hurt many more people. It's already hurt people and it's going to hurt many more. The honest truth is if we had a functioning media and if we had a functioning oversight bureaucracy that wasn't full of political hacks, this entire vaccination program would have been paused long ago until the adverse effects were brought under control until there was more long-term data. But you know why they wouldn't do that? Because you've got these big pharma companies doling out big bucks to government agencies, to political parties. That's why. If we had functioning media, functioning bureaucratic oversight, they, these things were doing what they're supposed to be doing, we would have had a pause on this long ago. But you can't do that because at that point, you risk uh, actual herd immunity where people have natural immunities and the thing dies and nobody needs the vaccine. But you know what? Since we have a dysfunctional government and bureaucratic agencies that have politicized everything, we get cover-ups and pressure to vaccinate the least vulnerable among us in terms of serious COVID infections, even though the data suggests they may suffer from the most serious of side effects. Now, there's a bit of good news in all this. I, I believe we've hit a tipping point of people fed up with this nonsense who are doing the research, who are seeing this. You've got Project Veritas exposing uh, the phonies over at Pfizer. Since the gene therapies were opened up to the teen group in May, 
less than half of American teens have been vaccinated. Parents are waking up to this potential disaster for their kids and the potential harm it could cause long-term for their kids. And maybe part of this too is that the parents themselves who uh, decided to take the vaccine experienced the full brunt of those side effects from their own jab and decided their kids didn't need to go through that same thing because they are low risk any rate. At any rate, the teen group is lagging in vaccination rate. And given that, I would expect that when, it's not an if at this point, it's a when, the FDA approves the Pfizer jab for use in the 5 to 11-year-old age group, that they would lag even further behind the teens. Don't get this vaccine for yourself or for your kids because of some mandate that is extremely debatable in its legality. Get it because you have put in the thoughtful evaluation of the data now available in terms of the lasting efficacy and risks associated with taking the jab and you've bumped it up against the risks of COVID itself. You have dominion over yours and your child's personal well-being and welfare and body, not the U.S. government, not your employer, not Big Pharma. You are an American afforded the right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. You're afforded that by God first. And secondly, it's enshrined in the Constitution that our government is in place to protect that. And they are not doing that. They are failing us. So don't let that, don't let this mandate further erode our life, our our right, our God-given right, to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Don't let that be eroded by an overbearing government. Friends, that's my show for today. Thank you for listening. Please check out my website, livingwithlibertypodcast.com. There you'll find links to my past shows, my original articles, as well as other resources to help arm you with knowledge in fighting off the prevailing narratives of the day. I posted a new article last week on what is going on within our supply chains. Give it a read if you haven't done so already. While on my website, shop my store, Living with Liberty Outfitters. It's fall. The weather is cooling off now. Pick up yourself a a nice new hoodie or sweatshirt. Lastly, I'd be so grateful if you shared, subscribed, and left a positive review of the show, should your listening platform allow. Subscribing helps us move up the charts and helps more people find the truth. I appreciate you spending part of your day with me. Please help us spread the truth by sharing my show and website with friends and family, as well as on your social media accounts. My website is livingwithlibertypodcast.com. Also, let's connect. Follow me on Parlor and Gab. My handle on both is at Living with Liberty. You can also go to the contact page of my website and email me or follow the links there to my social media pages. Liberty isn't a given. We must fight to protect it. Working together, we will do exactly that. Until next time.